Well, I pray you were blessed by everything that's happened tonight. I hope you've been lifted and inspired. You know, this has been a great year of challenge for all of us, but God has been faithful. Sometimes you go through things and it's difficult, but it's time now to move forward. You know, the tree's coming down a little bit and uh, it's time to start a new year. Uh, we've celebrated Christmas. We've celebrated all these great things, but now it's time for us to move on. And if you're not careful, the temptation is to be afraid, to be afraid of what's in front of you, to be afraid of the future, to be afraid that you're not going to recover. But I want you to, to know that the Bible gives us some strong advice. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. There's a word that, that was spoken to Timothy that is going to be the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. Um, if you want to note, the title is called Dreaming Beyond Your Fears. And the first thing that you have to do is admit you, you have fears. You have moments in your life when you're intimidated and you're pushed to be afraid. But you have to allow yourself to be afraid, allow yourself to be challenged and not be intimidated by it. There's something strong that comes out of you when you're pressured. I've learned more under uh, siege than I've learned when I was free. When I was under siege financially, under siege emotionally, when I was pressured, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about the people around me. And so what I want to do today in these next few minutes uh, is just share a brief word with you that will help you at least think through this very important topic of fear. I don't think there's ever been a time in our history when we've been tempted to be afraid like this. Uh, over 300,000 deaths, having this incredible number of um, illnesses, having it be a pandemic around the world and not knowing where it's going to come. And if you've been like me, uh, managing people, helping people through it, I've seen it on the left. I've seen it on the right. I've seen it behind me, in front of me. There's some days it's been overwhelming. But I, like you, am tempted in those moments to be afraid. So the question is, how do you get beyond that? And well, first of all, you have to admit it. You have to admit that there are moments when things intimidate you. There are things that don't quite go the way you want them to. And there are moments when you just don't know what to do. You're trying to celebrate Christmas. You're trying to celebrate the holidays. You're trying to. But inside, deep inside you, there's this frustrating thing that's going on. And so Paul spoke, speaks to Timothy and he gives him a promise. He gives him a statement. Let me read the text for you. It's very powerful. Second Timothy one and seven for the spirit for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. Now, there are four things he mentions there that are really important. Four simple observations. Number one, he says that God didn't give us a spirit that is timid. We're not designed to be weak. That's the first thing he wants you to notice, that we're not called, that the attitude we are to have is not to be a timid attitude. Now, one of the things that I, I think is interesting is that I've noticed lately in a lot of Christian thinking, especially during the season of challenge, is they, they don't understand how to properly interpret the, the word hermeneutic. Hermeneutic, big word, which simply means interpretation, bottom line. And so when you talk about a person's hermeneutic, you're talking about how the person interprets things, how they come to conclusions. So a person will read 2 Timothy 1 and 7 and they can read it this way. Nothing will ever intimidate me. I'm not timid no matter what. So that means you take risks, you do things you shouldn't do. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. That's not what that means. That's a bad hermeneutic. There are some things you should be cautious about. The Bible talks about in Luke, sit down and count up the cost. See whether you have enough to finish. If you're going to fight an enemy, see if you can win. 
before you do, if you, before you go fight them. If you can't win, if you look at how many soldiers they have, how many you have, go see if you can make peace with them. There's something about being wise, and that's not being timid, that's being wise. I'll share that several sermons down the road. I have a whole sermon on wisdom coming down the road. And I, I believe that there are times when we're not wise. And we take verses like this and we act like I can do anything, avoid all boundaries, all rules, doesn't matter, spend all the money I have, take all the risk I want to, and there's no boundary. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying that basically we're not to be timid people and scary people who allow everything to just run us away. And I'll balance that out for you more in just a moment. But that's, that's exactly right. Well, let me, let me take a shot at it now. Why not? For example, the, during this, the pandemic, there's been a challenge. And if you're watching it post-pandemic, God bless you. You missed it. I'm glad you did. But during the pandemic, there were certain rules and guidelines. They said you need to be careful, wear a mask, make sure you don't, you know, you social distance. And so a person can read this verse and say, I ain't got social distance. Jesus said his blood covers me. That's foolish. That's not biblical. You're not being timid because you're obeying the rules. It's like, for example, when you ride, ride uh, so I can get it out here. When you drive the speed limit, you're not being timid. You're being you're being wise. The reason that I want you to speed is because of the fear of death. And the same thing is true when it comes to uh, the rules during the pandemic or during some some season when there are guidelines in place. You don't do this because this can the bad outcome can be something you don't want. So understand that Christians tend to do this. And let me give you another example of this. We, we take the Bible, right? And then we make statements. For example, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So that means I want to be a doctor. So that means I can be a doctor because I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't mean that. If you don't have doctor skills, if you don't have those abilities, you don't want to take this verse and misuse it and say, God hasn't given me the spirit of fear. That's how it says in the King James. God hasn't made me timid. That does not mean that you shouldn't be cautious. That doesn't mean you shouldn't lock your car. That doesn't mean you shouldn't watch what time of night you're hanging out late or where you're walking or what you're doing. You should be, um, you should be careful. There's, there's nothing uh, unwise about that. But, but let's move forward and, and read the rest of the text. Here's what he said. God didn't make me timid, right? But God gave me the ability to have power. I have ability. There is a certain amount of ability that I have. God did give me that. So I'm not timid. I do have ability. And thirdly, he says that I have the ability to love unconditionally. God gave me the ability to love. I'm not timid. I'm, I'm powerful. I'm not weak. I can love. And the word that's used is the word agape. It means to love without merit. And so there's this whole idea, this whole picture that he's painting of who we are. Because Timothy is a young man. He wants to know who you are. You're not timid, guy. Okay. You got ability. Okay. You can love. And you can love like God loves without merit. You can give people a sense of comfort. And then lastly, but it's all linked to being self-disciplined. He didn't give you a spirit to make you timid. He gave you ability. He gave you love. And he gave you a sound mind. Something that you can control. You're, you have the ability to have clear thinking and self-discipline. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about sound mind. The idea of being self-disciplined. You have the ability, King James says sound mind, but I want you to think of it this way. You, are the, you have the ability to discipline yourself. I love the way NIV says it. I am able to have personal discipline. Now, this is very important because nobody's going to discipline you. Nobody can stop you. Nobody's going to have the ability to stop you if you don't want to succeed. Self-discipline is a part of it. I have that ability. Now, 
This is said to a young man who's fighting off fear. This is said to a young man who's fighting off people who are, who are despising, Paul says later on, his youth, looking down on his youth. And he says, no, I want you to be confident. I want you to know what you can do. I want you to be really clear. And I don't want you to be nervous. That's a word for all of us. But let me give you, if I can, four fears I have had to fight off. Now, I, I know that in this season of challenge, you can, I can, you can relate to things that I'm about to, to run through. Because I, I have been surprised by some of the things that I've been tempted to, to feel. So let me give you a list of four things. Number one, ready? I've been facing uh, a fear of social fears, social fears, I call it. Well, I'm, I'm tempted to fear that we would lose touch with everyone because of the social distancing, because you can't have church services at this time. I know some churches are open and, you know, that's that's I, 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 I am not open. Our church has not been open uh, since March, the second Sunday in March of uh, 2020, because I, I did not see a way to protect all of them. I, I understand that there are people who feel they can. And I know many churches that have done this have had many breakouts and several people have died. Um, I felt that we needed to not take those risks. I don't know. You know, whenever people tell me they're willing to take the risk, I want to say, so are you willing to die first or who's willing to die? Your cousin, your mama, your kids. Uh, are you saying, Pastor Ricky, that you think the churches that have opened up are not wise? I think they should make their own minds up. My personal feeling and how I, I feel that we have had to manage this crisis is I need to do all I can do to keep you safe. And the best way to keep you safe was to use the system we use, which was social distancing, not having live services, doing it all digitally. And um, what I've seen is in most of the churches that have opened back up, only a few people come back, a small percentage, maybe half. I've seen 50%, 30 to 50%. I've seen a, a very um, uh, cautious, uh, highly demanding process to keep everything clean, sanitized. And in my opinion, churches don't do a good job of sanitizing and cleaning and being consistent. Now, if you're a big church, you got a lot of money, you can hire people, you can, you know, you can get it done that way. But it's very, very difficult because, uh, as I say, lovingly, churches wipe over here, but sometimes they don't wipe over there. And there is a tendency sometimes to assume that they can keep up with this. And a lot of times I've seen smaller churches have 60 people um, come and 20 of those are volunteers. And their regular attendance may be 300, but they got 60 people coming. I'm going, you know, this is a lot of energy, a lot of investment. We're in a fight, this fight we're in. One more time. We're in the fight that we're in. We're in a fight, and this is the fight. You know, you can't run from it. And you have to be willing to try new ways. And so for us, uh, let everyone do what they want to. But for us as a church, overcoming by faith, I decided, no, we decided as a leadership team, no, we're going to keep you safe. Uh, we're going to we're going to keep everybody away. I'm not going to when it's safe, when we can come back together again physically, which I, I look forward to. We'll come back. But I did fear that we would lose our social connection. I was concerned about that. And so I've worked hard to try to to to, to reach out and uh, call all the members and uh, try to engage them. We've done a lot of different things. And I'm really excited about the results because we've reached more people. We have grown in our income. We've grown in our, our reaches. Uh, we've grown in a number of ways. And there's still areas to improve. We've reached out to children. We've done all kinds of children's programs. We've had dozens and dozens of events for kids. So we are not just talking to adults. We're talking to children, young college students. We're still talking to all the different age groups that we've been talking to when we were in the building. Second thing I've been concerned about 
And I was tempted during this season to fear is financial fears. <clears throat> man, I, I, when this first happened, I thought, wow, man, we, ooh, boy, how will we survive this? Because if everything shuts down, but then, thank God, before we started this, we were already at 70% of our income coming in uh, through digital giving. People already were giving uh, through the Internet. And then now it's um, right at 90%. I mean, people are, are, are really tapping in. And I want to say thank you. I want to thank you because I believe that it proves how strong you are. A friend of mine said something to me once. She said, a lot of people are like a boat, right? They can only float on the surface of the water. But she said, what's really great is when a church or when a group or a family or a ministry can dive like a submarine when times are difficult and survive the winds and the waves of change. And that to me is what you've proven because of your giving and your commitment. I, I, I was encouraged by that. And I am really excited about what we've learned about ourselves. Some of you have fought digital giving. Don't fight it. Jump in the river with us. Help us out. Swim in the river. Come on, try. And if you don't know how to do it, get someone young in your life to show you how to do cash app, how to do something different online, how to give online. It's amazing technologies that you don't want to miss. Then uh, thirdly, facility fears, facility fears. So what are we going to do with this facility? So here we are um, and we can only seat a fraction, 10, 15 percent of our normal capacity in the building and stay social distancing. Now, what churches are going to do now, this is my personal observation about us, we'll cheat. We will put more people in a space than we should in the name of we need to get together and people need fellowship. We will create events where people are not uh, distanced. And I, I think that's unfortunate. I just uh, saw a case recently where the, even with their best efforts, people got infected and uh, some died. And I, I, my heart goes out to those folks. And I, I'm saying I think I have to be careful about how I create uh, and how I use the facilities. And so we've got some bold and exciting plans uh, for that. And we're working on those plans to continue improving our taping and continue improving our digital outreaches. But I was concerned about facilities. And so what we're going to do is continue to improve our facility. Everything is maintained. We have a whole system in place. And I'm really excited about that. Number four, I was concerned about peers. What will my peers think if I don't do what they do? If I come back and I'm not like them, if our service formats are not the same when, the, when we do go back to the regular in-person services, how would, it, how would I feel if I'm not like everybody else? Here's what I've learned about peer pressure. Peer pressure can fool you. It can fool you. It can make you think things that aren't true. And you can end up bowing your head and buying into lies and finding yourself fearful of what you don't need to be. So here's the question. Will you... Step past your peers and be different. I've had to be different. Some of you had to do that just to stay healthy. You've had to say, well, I'm not going out. No, I'm not going. I'm not making those decisions. And I'm not I'm not telling you all the decisions you should make. Listen to listen to the advice you get and make a wise decision that protects you. Think long term, not short term. Then here's another thought. Four things that that excite me about our future. I believe that the future is bright. I believe the future is really bright. I am not timid. I am not afraid. I am tempted to be afraid of all the things I listed, but I'm not afraid. I become more confident that if I stand up and do what's right, God will guide me to a better place. But I can't be afraid. I have to I have to face my fears and say, I am afraid of this, but I'm going to overcome it. 
So let me give you some things that I'm excited about. Four things. Number one, the way our members and friends have embraced our online ship. I call it the online ship. <laughs> I like that. I heard that. I heard a guy at church, church say that. I love that term. And that's exactly what we've been a digital ship for a long time. I'm, I'm proud of the way you've embraced it. You link, you send. We send, we touch thousands more people than we've ever touched. Number two, the way our members and friends have consistently given. That's exciting to me. I'm proud of I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Number three, I'm proud of the way our members and friends have volunteered. We have volunteered, come out of our isolation and volunteered and helped and done all kinds of things. And we have some really exciting plans coming up in the next year, which I'll tell you about in the, in the next uh, next in the coming year in January. I'll, I'll announce some of the things we want to be doing. I'm really excited about that. Number four, the way our church has responded to our new schedules. The the schedules have changed because of the the. Um, way this has all worked out. But you have been there. You've gone to small groups. You've, you've um, stepped out and, and, and participated in the online services, uh, the midweek Bible studies, the various things that we've done, the Zoom conferences, the, the membership uh, calls, all the things that we've done where you jumped in and said, we want to participate. And that to me is powerful. And I'm excited about that. I'm really, really excited. You see, you can't always control what comes into your life, but you can control how you respond to it. And I want to say, as we close out the year, my job as a pastor is to keep, keep us safe and to do all I can to encourage us to believe forward. Which brings me to the next final thing I want to say. Starting next week, we're going to start a sermon series that I am really, really excited about. And I'm going to talk about how to live in a new world. And I want to show you how a person who's going to live in this new world has to have a different set of training. You know, when you go to the military, they have different schools for different things. If you're going to do, you know, jumping out of planes, there's a school for that. If you're going to work in science, there's a school for that. If you're going to, whatever you're going to do, they have specialized training. And I, my mom used to always talk about something called home training. When people, when people, <laughs> when people were, um, not good, she'd say, that's some bad home training. Well, I believe that a church is a place, it's your home and, and where you learn, you're trained. A lot of churches are training people to come in the building and, and, and sit and listen to a guy teach and, and never miss. Come Wednesday night, Tuesday night, or whenever you have midweek services, and then come on Sunday. And you're supposed to come, that's two times eight uh, for us, eight times a month if you're faithful. And then you got to come to the revival meetings, the conferences, and then, you know, all your money is tied up in the church. You have no independent anything. It's hard on the pastor. It's hard on the people. And the, the way they've scheduled themselves, they never get to go into the world. I've always said what, what we tend to do is we spend all of our time marching around the barracks, entertaining each other. We invite churches over. They come entertain us. We go entertain them. And I'm not, you know, if you want to do that, I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying if that's all you do. And if I create a schedule that keeps you so busy that you're with me three or four times a week, when do you get to be with your family, your kids, your marriage? When do you get to, to exercise and take care of yourself? There's something wrong in a system that does not challenge you to be independent and free. And so I want to I say that we're going to learn that in this new world, things are going to be different. And I want to give you an example in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus talked about this. Good home training and I want, to, I want to put this on the screen because I want you to think about this before our next sermon. Good home training shows up in the ways you respond to the things that tempt you. Jesus modeled four signs of good home training. In the new world, we face four skills that will 
be essential. And I want you to listen to these, these four things we're going to talk about starting next week. First of all, the ability to be alone. This, this pandemic has forced people to be alone. But I want to show you that Jesus modeled that strength. If, you're, if, if you are trained at home to self-entertain, that's my wife's, one of my wife's great terms she uses, self-entertain. For, for our grandbaby, she says this sometimes, she'll say it, you know, about children, they have to learn how to self-entertain. You have to learn how to be alone. Why are you so afraid to be alone? What have you learned about yourself when you are alone? Secondly, we're going to talk about the ability to prioritize. You have to have the ability to put things in the right place. Then thirdly, we're going to talk about the, the ability to recognize wisdom. To say, that's smart. That's a good way to live. That's a good way to love. Then this is not smart. You should be able to recognize when you engage people, whether they're leading you to a wise place or a foolish place. And then lastly, we're going to talk about the ability to say no. All from Matthew chapter 4. The ability to say no. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Look at Mark Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. I want you to look at that as a read-ahead verse. And I want you to think about this. This is also in Matthew chapter 4. You can read that as well. Those two places. And I want you to think about this. Are you a person who's really committed to sound training and thinking? And as a pastor, I'm really concerned about whether or not we have trained people properly. I look at the results in these um, this political environment we're in. I look at the, the way that things have gone in the last year or two, and I'm concerned that there's not been a lot of good home training. And so I'm going to talk about all that next week. Laying down my fears, admitting that I am tempted to be afraid, admitting that there are times when I feel timid, but I refuse to be. Moments when I feel like my mind's not sound, but I can be disciplined and say, no, I'm not thinking that thought. I need to drive my mind around these fears and around these thoughts. I need to say to myself, no, in Jesus name, I will not allow anything, peers or anybody else to make me feel God's not going to provide for me. He's proven to me. He's financially faithful. He's faithful to me in every area of my life and that I don't have to be intimidated. Neither do you. So let me pray for you today. And I want you to have a great and happy new year. We've got some great things coming tonight. I want you to stay with us. Don't you go. It's going to be an amazing time. Got a little more for you. So let's pray. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would bless today, that they would take what they've heard today and respond. If they don't know Jesus, they'd say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm ending the year. I need to give Jesus my heart, my life. Let this be the beginning of a new life. And God, I give you all the praise and all the honor in Jesus name. Amen. Now, listen, for some of you, this is the end of the year and you need to give your life to Jesus. You have not done it yet. It's time for you to make that decision. So I want you to push. If you're on one of those devices that says raise your hand, there you go. Push that. Raise your hand. So I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm starting the year off right. And if you haven't, you can email me at pastor at overcoming by faith. Say, pastor, I appreciate the message. I'm giving my life to Christ. Send me some information to help me start my life with Jesus at pastor at overcoming by faith.org. 